0: It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses, and you are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And of course, anywhere across the country, you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in 106.5 FM, E-L-M-N-T-F-M, or 95.7 E-L-M-N-T-F-M, and listen on your device of choice anywhere across the country, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. It's great that we're uh, able to get Moment of Truth uh, back on the air now that we've got things a little more, uh, uh, a little better of an understanding the way things roll out uh, as we deal with COVID-19. And speaking of COVID-19 and dealing with those kind of things, my guest today, uh, Mike Layton, is a city councillor for Toronto, Ward 11, in the University of Rosedale area. And it's a pleasure to have him back on the show. He's been on a couple of times before. Mike, welcome. So, Mike, you just heard me mention COVID-19. It's, of course, uh, the thing that is on everyone's mind these days as, as to how we deal and come out of this. Uh, certainly, uh, yourself as a city councillor, uh, that is something I'm guessing that everyone is is, is also talking about in terms of how do, we, how do we come out of this? What do we do with this? And what are we learning from this that we can help improve the way we set up our cities, set up social spaces, deal with transit? Uh, and I'm sure there's all kinds of things that you guys are talking about.
0: Well, right now we're still in the midst of the response to the outbreak. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to put some attention to how would we open up two things one how do we open up a city again where we're all still at risk of a second wave mm-hmm. and what services are necessary in order for us to uh get people back to work and ensure that but but ensure that everyone's safe and that's not just individuals in their workplaces is safe but the whole of the city of society really um is uh, is is protected and it'll probably mean a slow a slow start uh, in, in waves is what it sounds like, the advice that we're getting from other jurisdictions as well as from our medical officer of health. And we will continuously look back to see if what, we're, what we've done is accomplishing what we need to, and that is ensuring the, safe, the, the safety of the public and individuals in the workforce. And so I think that people are have really big questions about what do we do when, with the kids when we have to go back to work? Um, I'm certainly in that position that we've got two toddlers at home, and it would be uh, a, a lot to put on my partner uh, to to have to scramble after them all day and uh, into the evenings as we start uh, our full uh, our, our full- time workup again. And I know a lot of other families would be in the same position. Uh, so I think that um, what your listeners can expect is a very modest start in the first couple of stages where we are opening up really just what is necessary uh, and then looking towards what are the nice to haves mm-hmm. and uh and, and part of that is going to be how people get around our city what does public transit look like as we're still waiting for a vaccine and the overall safety and of society to uh to, to return uh what do, what does transportation look like in our on our sidewalks and streets that's a big question that we're grappling with right now at the city about it as we try to maintain physical distancing, uh, but allow people to get around the city and uh, also queue in lines for different stores or other services that, that people may need to. Um, so these are all the things that we're, we're grappling with in that first stage. Um, but And then as, uh, as more people are out, uh, get back to their uh, normal routine, uh, then we'll have to continuously be looking at what, uh, what measures need to be put in place? Um, but we're very much still in the active response to the pandemic phases. We're right at the peak of what uh, we hope will be uh, the a return back to uh, to normality
1: yeah well, returning to normality that is probably going to change uh I'm guessing like just like you said it's going to be modest it's going to be in very controlled stages as we reopen things essential items first uh you just talked about transportation what's that going to look like i uh, I guess though there is there is some uh, some moments to pause and think about. How this will affect the the larger picture as we as we move forward uh, once we come out of this? Because I, I guess you know we we talk about COVID nineteen, but there's been other SARS and and those kind of things that have impacted this. But we haven't had it to the point where we've looked at I guess uh, you know we 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 get the common cold. We used to get common colds and not think about it too much. But now that's it seems that we're all thinking about. Spreading germs and how to to mitigate those things, and um, I, I guess that's where I was coming from in terms of thinking th- going forward. How is that going to affect? Just like you were saying, you're in a you're in a public position. People want to see you. People want to contact you. People want to uh, interact with you. Um, so there's a lot of way, a lot of things that that will be affected as we we do uh, start to come out of this.
0: Well, and I think even beyond that, how we interact on. On our sidewalks and in our places of work, there's the question of what do we want to return to.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I think, if anything, this has taught us some significant lessons about who the most vulnerable people in society are mm-hmm. and who we value most during uh, a pandemic like this. I don't think uh, I don't think we would have, as a society, probably placed uh, grocery store clerks as high up on <laughs> the the essential service ladder as mm-hmm. they are today. Mm-hmm. And you have people out in the streets thanking them mm-hmm. for, for their service as they're thanking doctors and nurses. Yes. Um, and, and this is also being translated into how we compensate them with the provincial government doing a temporary increase uh, to the to, to, to those workers' uh, wages. And I think we'll probably see that continue. I, I certainly want us to continue to look at how what lessons can we learn from this in order to address some of the... Uh, inequalities that existed prior. So you look at things like affordable housing and sh- and our shelter crisis. And um, this is a great example. The, we were not prepared to address the, uh, the 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 level of risk in our shelters. So we rose to the occasion, and that's where the city has been booking up um, hotels, has been opening up other community spaces to help alleviate some of the. Uh, the physical distancing pressure in our shelters as well as increase the number of uh, uh, of shelter spaces available so that people aren't forced out onto the street and and by doing that we've actually I think raised the shelter standards uh, because now people have appropriate space and in, in many cases are fully isolated there was a great story in the news a couple of days ago about uh, a homeless man being able to take a bubble bath for the first time in mm-hmm. decades uh, this is the I think the type of uh, a core lesson we can learn and what we can ensure comes out at the end of uh, uh, of, uh, of this, this tragic epidemic. Now, with that, I hope, I certainly hope that we start to look at the economic engine and how we restart that engine and ensure that we're serving some of the other goals that we have as a society, namely fighting climate change. Like, this is the next major epidemic. It's It's going to happen, we're on that track if we don't slow down this train and try to address it. We're going in that direction yet again. And I think people are starting to realize that, Um, but the hope is that we're seeing an an economy retool itself to respond to the pressure of uh, of COVID-19. And I think there's some hope that these lessons can, can help steer us in the right direction so that we don't do what we did just a couple of years ago, uh, with um, the, the last economic stimulus package, and actually reward the same systems that got us here, both from an inequality point of view, as well as um, as well as a, a climate a climate change perspective.
1: Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, of course, uh, there's been a, a couple of comments made in terms of uh, the, the climate uh, uh, rebounding and and sort of re- rejuvenating in, in the in the uh, the, the throes of COVID-19. Uh, we've seen animals come out on the streets. Of course, uh, we've we've heard about the air cleaning up and the waters clearing up in different cities and and those kind of things. Um, maybe maybe it is uh, an opportunity, uh, like you said, for for people uh, because. They're, they are uh, have been put in a position where they have to s- stop for a moment and think and look and, and, and actually have been able to see these things. Uh, and in many ways it, it may be uh, that, uh, that that does help us look a- and focus differently. Uh, just as you said about looking even at at who the uh the heroes are and the people that uh have value in the community uh like you said about grocery clerks and and things like that that you know for for the most part i guess might have been overlooked or or taken advantage of or or looked at uh in in a different way and i guess as we as we we look uh you know, you also talked about transportation. What well, that's that going to look like? City, what are the city streets uh, going to be looking like? I saw a couple of pictures of uh, potentially how streets uh, might change. You know, if it's a four-lane road, maybe that's going to become a two-lane road with uh, bikes and, and and pedestrians taking over that other lane, so that there's less congestion. I guess that's the other thing that we, you know, do you do you, do you see? Uh, a return to the the same kind, as you pointed out, what else, What do we want to go back to? Um, do, you, do you think there'll be the same kind of rush to go back to getting all those cars back on the street, for instance?
0: Well, I certainly hope not. Um, I, people do need to get around our city, and I think there'll be some um, some fear about returning to public transit. Mm-hmm. But I think what that'll do is actually make people think twice about the trips that they take, whether or not they're necessary. Mm. Um, this, this will mean some working from home, um, but as workplaces start to um, open up again, as well as uh, some, re- some of the retail functions of our, of our main streets, I-, I think people will start to shop a little closer to home. Uh, I think that hopefully what they'll do is start thinking about other ways of getting around the city. If it's walking, if it's cycling, Um, then this is, this will start us down. If if we provide the safe infrastructure, I think it's a permanent change that we could see happen. When you look at what they did in other places around the world where they have higher rates of cycling, but the same climate, Hmm. um, it was a a crisis that uh, got people onto bicycles and they stayed there um, after because the government responded with infrastructure that, made it more enjoyable and safe. And so I think there's an opportunity there. Um, I'm not sure how quickly we'll move uh, all four lane roads to, to, to two, because in many cases, there's some other functionality of the, of the lanes with loading and unloading. And uh, we, we have seen that the, the dependence um, on delivery services from businesses increase in recent years or in recent uh, weeks. And so I think as that happens, um, we'll, we'll have to rethink how we also do uh, that business. Um, we look at the last mile delivery. This is being discussed around the world. Why do we need 10 different delivery vehicles delivering on the same street uh, every day? Can we, can we reduce that uh, th- those miles traveled by, um, uh, by delivery and courier? And so I think there's a lot of things that the city has to look at now. Um, and hopefully what will result in the end is a more sustainable, uh, and a friendlier approach to our streets than we had last year when we had uh, we were seeing record numbers of uh, of people uh, seriously injured and killed on our streets.
1: Mhm. Yeah, very true. Um you know, uh you mentioned uh, streets uh, and I guess it was, as you were talking I was thinking about how I guess as we we move forward the 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 idea of uh the use of streets and transit and and spaces uh, especially now, people are using those open spaces more. Uh, do you think that there'll be more of an emphasis on the importance of those kind of things in in our cities?
0: Well, I think you don't you don't value it till it's gone, right? Yeah, right. And uh, now I think more than ever we're thinking about uh, those public spaces that we used to enjoy, and we're missing them. And I think that there'll be um, a- as we open up the city again. Uh, I suspect that we'll look at those spaces a little bit differently. Um, but hopefully, what we'll do is try to adapt them so that people can uh, immediately go out and start enjoying them again. Um, because uh, certainly, I think it's it's uh, it's been an opportunity to people for people to reflect on the the, the things that they value in their day to day life, and perhaps sometimes take take for granted.
1: As uh, as I I say that about the value, you right? know, and the value of these places have become. Uh, 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 obvious to us at this point in time but uh, the, the other thing that pops into the back of my head is the the idea that real estate value has always been uh, you know optimal for wanting for business wanting to to take advantage of it and make sure that they have the best spot for things and and, and not necessarily uh, thinking about the value of the open space there i'm uh, perhaps everyone will will see that value and hopefully recognize it and, and have a bit of a change in terms of uh, the way they, that we approach these things in the future, but uh, the other thing I wanted to ask about, uh, Mike, is that you um, you are asking people to uh, to send their comments into you, I believe, as well. Uh, you've you've got a, a number of things that you are have on on your website that uh, you're saying people to please send in their their letters, their comments, their ideas on on different things. The curb to,
0: sure. Well, one of them is curb to, and this was the city initiated response to. Uh, alleviating some of the pressure on our sidewalks Um, and so we're asking people that uh if they see a location where there's um some congestion because of maybe a a business or a queue that uh that spills out onto the sidewalk makes it difficult to to keep a distance um please send us the suggestions uh or to the city um at curbto at toronto.ca and that will uh the city will then start considering some of those locations for widening of sidewalks, taking over some of the space on the road, road right-of-way. Um, we're also, though, looking to um, uh, try to try to ensure that businesses have access directly to residents. So if a business has retooled um, and are doing delivery where they didn't before, um, we're asking our residents and trying to promote that um, work directly with those businesses to try to cut out what, what some, of the, some of the apps that, co- that cost those businesses that you're trying to support. Uh, so the more we can get people to work directly with those businesses and support them, uh, the better off we'll be at the end of all of this. Uh, we also served, on, or I served on the mayor' task task force for economic recovery, and where I work with organized labor and other um, and and other individuals on the employment side to try to ensure that the economic recovery uh, that we we were coming out um, with uh, resulted in a better. In a better place for workers. At the end of the day, um, this also it, it then expanded to talk about uh, the Green New Deal, which is uh, ensuring that we both uh, we have both an equity, but also um, a climate lens to all economic recovery efforts. Uh, and we're we're putting together um, another ask uh, of every level of government um, to 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 really look at take this as a as as an opportunity uh, to help address the climate crisis.
1: Uh, Just want to let everyone know that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa and anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM. My guest is Mike Layton, City Councillor for Ward 11 in the City of Toronto. That's the University Rosedale area. It's a pleasure to have him back on the show we we're talking about uh, COVID 19, the effects of COVID 19 as we, as Mike pointed out, uh, we're still in the throes of of uh, uh, dealing with that, trying to uh, find our way through this and uh, as a city councilor, mike that's a, a public position. Uh, people want to see you, people want to interact with you as we talk about you know moving forward and, and getting the essentials back uh, in operation and those kind of things how do you how do how do you see your own position in in that it, it, as a as as a public a uh, city councillor um for the city of toronto people want to have access to you uh do you see uh do you see your own and, and other public figures like yourself in in these positions, uh, doing much like everyone else, working from home more, uh, and 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 changing, you know, the 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 way we interact in in, uh, in you know in getting together at, at the work environment.
0: Look, I think there's an opportunity uh, to to do that with respect to some interactions that we'd have with people, but those w- would those those interactions would would be the ones that are of one-on-one, mm-hmm. um, that the challenge will be, we do a lot of public meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably two, three, four large public meetings in my ward alone on a weekly basis mm-hmm. where I'd be meeting to discuss a park rehabilitation, uh, the reconfiguration of a roadway or a large development application. And so I'm, I'm not sure how we're going to be able to address the necessity of them being of us being accessible with um, the the continued threat. And so we've, we've started to have some working groups, smaller working groups online, where we've been able to interact with individuals, um, but not everyone has the ability to do that. And mm-hmm. so we're going to have to come up with creative ways and eventually, hopefully, we'll be able to um, start having uh, some of those more uh, more intimate as sessions where there's uh, we're, we're all in one space together again. Those days will come. Um, it's just in in the meantime, as we're coping with COVID uh, and living with COVID in a, in 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 society and in our lives, um, we may need to address some of those things and go a little digital. Um, and maybe there's more telephone town halls so that we can expand our our reach so that it's not only tech savvy people that are uh, able to um, access myself and other decision makers um but anyone that has a has a telephone which again misses some people unfortunately um and we'll have to continue to try to figure out ways to uh, engage people in in that way um because the business of the city will need to continue and um, we we need to continue delivering services to uh to everyone COVID covet related or not uh and we'll we'll continue to do our best in that regard
1: now, uh, financially, uh, this has thrown everyone, uh, you know, into the uh, the depths of of dealing with this, and, and including both municipal and, and provincial and federal governments that are doling out uh, all a lot of money to uh, to to aid people and businesses and et cetera, et cetera, and keep us us going. Uh, how how much of an impact, and how do you see that side of things? Uh, potentially being dealt with as we come out of this?
0: Well, it's a challenge right now. Um, we are, the city's not collecting as mm. much revenue as we normally would. And unlike other levels of government, we can't run an operational deficit. We can only spend money we have on, mm. on the operational side of our, of our ledger. And so we have to keep delivering services the, the TTC is down about eighty percent in their revenue, but we don't yeah. want buses to stop. We want to mm-hmm. make sure people can still get around that need it. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, it it is going to be a challenge. The federal government has given some support to businesses to keep their doors open, um, but hasn't yet addressed um, the 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 issue of municipalities. Mm-hmm. We are it's about sixty five million dollars a week that mm-hmm. um, that that we're losing with additional services that have been required like addressing the shelter crisis, as well as um, uh, continuing to deliver those services. And then the the rest is lost revenue um, from building permits, from permits to use public spaces, uh, and then the biggest one being the TTC TTC, um, fare box. Mm -hmm. And so we're struggling as as a city. I'm hopeful, though, that governments, provincial and federal, will realize they can't really let the economic engine of the country stall um, and we're going to need their support to ensure that we can keep, keep the city running as we, as we work through these challenges.
1: Right. Uh, and Mike, you mentioned, uh, climate change. You mentioned the climate as something, you know, it's, it's important to you, uh, as well. And, and something that hopefully we can learn to, uh, uh move forward on as we also deal with COVID-19 and come out of this, um, You know, I was thinking we've seen some businesses that have reacted very quickly in terms of being able to retool uh, to help with COVID-19 and producing masks, producing, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of the um, uh, face visors and those kind of things. And I thought, you know, is this an opportunity right now for businesses to, to think about, you know, maybe taking advantage of this time being down and retooling for a greener environment or a better future in that regard?
0: Well, I certainly think, I hope that that's happening. And, and I think that any economic stimulus that the government, that every level of government engages in, should have that as a lens. Are, are, we, are we just getting back to the status quo? Or mm-hmm. are we building back better? And, and I think that that's, that's a major question that, that we need to continue asking. And it's not just the climate lens, one. It's also, are we just bailing out, uh, uh, bailing out industry Without actually seeing that money go to workers, right. are we, uh, are we just just giving money to um, the 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 one percent because they they lost money in the stock market, or are we in fact ensuring that the people that lost their jobs uh, aren't losing their home? Mm-hmm. And this is the question that uh, that that we're going to have to put to all levels of government, um, including the municipal one. And then there's the side that says. Or, or the, the, the card that, that says, we need to now ensure that we get people back to work quickly. And that means investing in things we know will pay off, not just to get people jobs, but also to address some other um, social or environmental concern. So we can put money into things like building retrofits and train a generation of uh, of university and high school graduates in a trade that gets them paid well, but Paid well and serves a social purpose. In that case, reducing our energy consumption and making us more resilient to whatever pandemic uh, or, or, or international crisis comes next. Uh, these are things that we can that we can do. Um, they're easil, easy, easy, um, and they're uh, scalable. You can do the same thing in Toronto, in Montreal, in, in, in Halifax, and in, in Northern Ontario, and you could do this across the country. Uh, in an organized fashion that addresses local needs, uh, but serves that same goal. And I think if we if we don't take this opportunity to do that, um, it will be uh, a very um, a very unfortunate uh, direction that those governments will have taken.
1: Right, uh, Mike. Our time is almost up. I'm just wondering if there's anything we haven't uh, spoken about quickly that uh, you want to mention uh, as we finish up our time.
0: Well, I think it's important uh, for for all of us to think about those that are, uh, uh, are not coping uh, well, that are most at risk and, 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 and most um, uh, most challenged by this, uh, this, this epidemic. I'm thinking about uh, the, the, the homeless people, people that are losing their jobs, uh, my neighbors who are seniors uh, that need that extra support. We all need to come out of this together Um, So let's, uh, let's just make sure everyone's doing whatever they can, if it's social distancing, uh, if it's going to pick up someone's groceries or helping drag someone's garbage bin back in, let's, uh, let's ensure that we're all working together through this during this difficult time.
1: Nicely said, Mike. And, you know, I, I think you've made the point uh, in in saying those things that we are, if if anything, COVID-19 has, has proven to us that we are all connected, uh, whether it is the homeless person, whether it is the grossly, grocery clerk, or whether it is uh, someone in a long-term care, uh, we are all connected. And we need to, uh, as you point out, uh, we need to come out of this together. We are all in this together. And we need to think of everyone uh, at, at this time. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to having you back on the show again. Thank you, David. All right. Take care. That's Mike Layton. He's City Councillor in Toronto for Ward 11 in the University and Rosedale area. Don't go away. We'll be right back on Moment of Truth right after this. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa and anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM and listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. I'd like to welcome uh, our next guest to the show. It's a pleasure to have Gino de Stasio, and he is the director of the Institute of Urban Studies, the vice president of research and innovation at the University of Winnipeg. We welcome him to Moment of Truth. Nice to have you with us. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, You uh, are, I guess, looking at some interesting things these days with uh, the kind of work that you're involved with. Uh, COVID-19 certainly has thrown us uh, a curveball, but um, I guess... there is there is some some pluses i guess to this in terms of city planning or innovation and how we can uh, improve things in the future uh you know reading over some of the stuff that you're talking about in terms of not only building uh, rebuilding economies but looking at at city structures how they can restructure themselves uh it, it's very interesting stuff
2: i think it is you know really what we're talking about here is Thinking about our neighborhoods and our communities where a lot of us are spending more time, but as well understanding that in some neighborhoods and some communities, the difference between incomes is getting wider and wider. And so in those communities in particular, we really got to think about social and community planning to help support communities with the right sets of tools to rebuild social infrastructure, not just our physical infrastructure.
1: You know, when you say that, the first thing comes to mind, of course, is that uh, right now, all the cities that we are currently dealing with are already built. Uh, So... What you know, I guess thinking about what we do with with what we have right now and looking to the future, which is wonderful, uh, we certainly can can envision many things. But I, I guess the other thing also is you just pointed out about the the difference, the the economic uh, structural difference that we are also dealing with, and um, how we, you know, I, I guess we, to some degree, we knew these things existed, but we didn't look at them. I don't think as closely as we are right now.
2: Yeah, and sometimes we use the term income inequality to explain the differences between the highest earning incomes in Canada with those in the low. But what's happened over the last number of years is we've kind of lost a big chunk of the middle. So in our communities, in our cities, we're seeing an increasing number in the concentrations of people living in poor quality neighborhoods with much, much lower incomes. And as we come out of this post-COVID environment, We really have to see what is happening in those communities to try to help support positive change. And that could be from community investments in recreation centers and in green spaces to economic and community development initiatives that look at addressing questions of poverty and isolation and, say, mental health. It's just more than rebuilding the bricks and mortar infrastructure of supporting Industries and economy, which is first and foremost, but increasingly cities are going to have to look at supporting the citizens that are really struggling in this environment.
1: Hmm. You mentioned the disappearance of the the middle class. Uh, what? How? And you're it's talking about the, this increase in the lower end. Uh, so now that we're we're seeing this, and we're stuck in this this COVID nineteen pandemic uh how does this line up with say a hundred years ago when when the world was dealing with this the spanish flu
2: well again some of the the same issues present themselves and remember for higher earning income households they can weather the storm Mm. and they're not likely to lose their job but what we're seeing now that's probably consistent with a hundred years ago are low wage earners those in precarious job environments the gig economy, as we like to call it now, where people working precariously in, in the service sectors, they're living paycheck to paycheck. And the challenge that we found now are not only our low-income households living paycheck to paycheck, but so too are a lot of small businesses. How quick was it when we began to see stores shuttered and lives changed in a matter of weeks? And so the impacts on families has been great. No doubt the federal supports and provincial supports are helping, but at the end of all this, we're going to need to recover some of the lost ground in our communities, especially for families and individuals that are really struggling with the fallout of such a uh, quick and severe economic restructuring that's before us.
1: So when you you say that, and one thing I guess that that COVID nineteen is pointing out to us is that regardless of those uh, economic inequalities and and the the wealthy uh, and and the the not so wealthy, uh, we are all connected. Uh, certainly, COVID nineteen uh, doesn't uh, look at economic barriers uh, to affecting anyone. Um, how do you think this is going to change the way we look at? how we structure things in the future?
2: Well, I try to take an urban perspective. And again, I really think that in communities that are already struggling with isolation, that are dislocated from good access to transit, that are separated from good recreation and and just open amenities like parks and open spaces, again, it's really in those environments where households say lacking access to internet Lacking access to have the tools for their children to complete school years. Not everybody has a couple extra Chromebooks when they have two or three kids at home all of a sudden, nor do they have the bandwidth to support that. Mm. So again, my view is that we just need to take a more comprehensive view of how we've got to come out of this post-COVID environment and focus in on the social landscape as much as we're going to focus in on the economic landscape. I use my own city of Winnipeg as a really good example. Winnipeg really struggled with slow urban growth and urban decline, really for 30 years beginning in 1980, up until around 2010. So we've got this great community infrastructure of community-based organizations that are really skilled at getting into the thick of things and supporting community members dealing with uh, tough economic challenge. And I think that's kind of where we're going in more communities across Canada and across the globe. Citizens are concerned about how they're going to come out of this and have the right sets of tools to support well-being, both social and economic.
1: Mm. Yeah, well-being seems to be uh, one of those things that we're hearing a lot more about these days. Absolutely. And again,
2: I really think it's time that we think about how we support our communities through seeding and supporting community-based organizations to continue to do the great work that they're doing but knowing too that they're going to take an additional hit, our nonprofits, our social organizations have also been equally impacted over this uh, last couple of months, and I suspect too that they are going to struggle as they
1: come out of this uh, uh, this uh, period. So, as you uh, think about all these things that uh, that we are currently dealing with. Um, Talking about uh, coming out, to the, looking at the other side of this, eventually, um, what what are some of the things that you're brainstorming? That you're thinking about in terms of uh, that would that would ultimately uh, help us in the future?
2: Well, at top of mind still is focused in on working with community-based organizations or nonprofits who are already doing work in communities. And really starting to look at the tools that they're using to support individual families, homeowners, renters, and our children that are, are struggling right now in this environment of isolation. So again, I think if we can kind of go back in time and, and think about some grassroots organizations that were active in Canada in the 70s and 80s and onward, and figure out how we get back into communities as a way of urban planning. A lot of what we've done lately is really centralize these kinds of functions. But I really think we're going to need some on-the-ground social and community supports to really move us into a uh, post-COVID environment that is successful for everyone.
1: When you say that, a couple of things come to mind when you're talking about urban planning. um, It sounds to to me like more space is needed. Well, you know, possibly have just... More space for people, not crowding them in as much, first of all, um, giving people more of that uh, well-being that we all would like to have One, uh, The other thing, though, how do you think that real estate value will be viewed differently and or possibly not uh, as we as we look at this?
2: Right. And one of the things that we can't allow ourselves to get uh, pulled into is a debate on whether or not higher densities are good or bad. Because I think right now we know that we need to change the way in which we're living in cities. But I do think that it's going to be important to think about that through the lens of of well-being and community assets that are going to be beneficial. Parks and open spaces, for sure. I think as we come out of this, there's going to be a bit of crowding trauma, right? Where we're going to be a little more anxious when we're in big crowds. We might be more anxious when we're at concerts and big events in our cities and in our communities. So absolutely having that access to open space, to green space, to community space is going to be important. But in our large, really expensive cities like a Toronto, that's going to be very, very difficult to ensure that all incomes have access to good quality amenities that support community well-being. That's going to be our big challenge.
1: You, you know, uh, as you were as you're mentioning that and, and going back to your comment about urban planning, uh, just in terms of what we're dealing with right now, uh, you know, it, it, it does give us all a pause to look at how we have structured Business. Let's look at business as an example. Uh, rushing into the urban centers, all these people, you know, all moving at one point in time. Everybody's got to be to work at nine a.m. and and so we we have that. Uh, so we have all these cars on the road at the same time. But the other the other thing that is not being utilized right now are all those spaces in the downtown core of of building of of cities. So do you think businesses will start to look at the idea of hey? Do we do we really need to rent these large spaces and have everyone together and what about utilizing people's homes more as as a place for them to work out of
2: well that's a great question you know I think over the last couple of decades as we've thought about how do we create more sustainable livable cities the idea of you know work from home hybrid models staggered start and stop times where we try to manage, peak traffic flow into and out of cities. So not everybody's starting at 9am. We, we kind of balance that. I think what's come out of this is that we can do this in a, in a more deliberate manner. So maybe we'll see a bit more job sharing between a, a normal traditional office environment and the home. I thought of a place like where I am in Winnipeg and said the other day, wow, you know, come this winter, if we're facing a blizzard or extreme cold, why wouldn't we want to just convene part of our day by Zoom? Why wouldn't we want to end the day a little bit early if there's a warning of uh, really impending weather change? Let's all head home early and, and reconvene by uh, you know an online service. And I think what has happened now is I think people are more willing, but I think like a lot of us, we might be videoed out by the end of this, but I think it's proven that it can be a transitional type of environment where we might be able to decant some of our local services and offices and, and again, come up with models that are more focused in on individual well-being and supporting different uh, sustainable models, right? Reducing uh, peak congestion during our travel times in the morning and after work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you make a good point about, you know, possibly being uh, burned out uh, through, through video conferencing uh, by the end of all this. But uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, it, it has given us, as you say, uh, a, a time to think about utilizing this, uh, and maybe perhaps that is, is again, one of those uh, uh, potentially uh, positive things that, that this has shown us that, yeah, why haven't we been utilizing this more often uh, in the past uh, as a way of, of alleviating some of that congestion, that, that cities, some of the pollution. We're seeing, of course, pollution drop, uh, levels drop, uh, waters clear up, and animals coming back into the streets and things. Um, these, are, these are things that I guess, uh, for the most part, most of us didn't think about in, in terms of that, that, re- that way prior to this.
2: Absolutely. I think cities will remain the engines of growth for economies, and that the wonder of cities, the diversity, the vitality, and even the density will remain important contributors to civic life. But I think what post COVID environments are going to be is a bit more tepid at some point. We're going to think about things a little bit differently. But I think too that there will be a return to normal. But the new normal might reflect different ways of learning about what makes great cities what makes great communities and what makes a great office and again one might be to suggest that there's a more shared model where again you spend a bit more time at home and if there are situations that say present themselves at any given time in the year that we know now that we can easily come up with a different solution so i think a few of the the pluses of this unfortunate situation devastating situation is that we have learned that we can work differently within our cities and communities. I don't think anybody sees this as the long-term solution, but I think they see it as part of a more beneficial solution for individuals to enjoy a different quality of life.
1: Uh, Mentioning the new normal, um, we are all going to be, you know, I guess, uh, always have in the back of our heads uh, for a while, uh, social distancing, uh, physical distancing um, and and germs. Um, how do you think that 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 is going to work into the the, the general psyche of us as we move forward in terms of planning? Uh, even architecturally and and urban uh, spaces, as you as you you know you talked about with and and spaces that we use uh, within cities uh, for for just uh, relaxing and getting out and going for walks and you know uh, and those kind of things.
2: Well, again, my hope is that the wonder and the beauty of cities emerges again, and that we realize that as we come out of this environment, that we can get back to that. But again, knowing that. It's going to be a little bit different for some. It's going to take a little bit longer to return. But as well as we enter into another flu season, maybe two people will think that, hey, I'm not feeling great. Maybe I will stay at home and work remotely. It might be more acceptable to employers to say to employees, again, if you're not feeling well, or you think you might not be feeling well, what about working from home for a couple of days to clear up that cough or that fever? So I think it's going to get us thinking differently about our work home environments and our urban environments. We might think a little bit differently of sitting too close in the park, but I hope too that we don't lose that sense of humanity and civility in our cities where it's okay to say hello. It's okay to hug someone. I'm waiting for that day like everyone else, but knowing too that it's gonna come with a different view for the next little while. Might be a little not quite assured that it's okay, But hopefully we can get to that sooner than later and create those wonderful outdoor environments and festivals and events that make cities great places to live in and communities as well. I think we're close, but it's going to take some time for us to get through this and feel that there is some possibility to returning to normal.
1: I think your comment uh, 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 that you made there, uh, Dr. Teresa Tam uh, certainly uh, made a a similar comment, and that comment has just gone right out of my head at this point, so I'll have to come back to it. But I do want to jump in and let everyone know that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa and anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM. And uh, we are speaking with uh, Gino Destacio. He is the director of the Institute of Urban Studies and the vice president of research and innovation at the University of Winnipeg. It's a pleasure to have him on the show Uh, We're talking about cities. We're talking about coming out of COVID-19, what that might look like. Are there some uh, are there some, you know, sort of pluses uh, or or positive things we can take out of this experience? Certainly, it's been 100 years since uh, the world has had this happen uh i have seen uh in the last uh, couple of years uh you know watching netflix i've seen a number of documentaries that are made have been made around the the whole idea that it's not not if it's when a pandemic was going to hit and uh it, it was interesting to watch i must say um you know i we were all in such a big rush prior to this uh we didn't take much time to look or think about uh the impact of these kind of things we just got on with our lives but now it's it's forced us to uh sit back and look and consider and uh and and deal with the situation uh that we are we are now in now you know one of the things you you've talked about in your article is that uh, boomers certainly had a, a a different look at of things in terms of of employment, they they you know they had more of a steady income. They had more of that long term outlook. Um, how do you think this will impact, or ha- you know, as we as we deal with this and come out of it, uh, what might what might that look like for people?
2: That's that's a big question. You know, as we look back in time, where perhaps the view was that there were periods where we had greater stability in the job. Environment and, and people worked and they had a good pension and they stayed with the same company for decades before retiring. I think what we've seen now is that there are a tremendous number of uh, young Canadians and others who are part of a more precarious job environment, where again they're really living check to check, paycheck uh, away from uh, tremendous instability, both in losing their their uh, residence and and you know and, and in some cases becoming homeless. So as we move out of this, we have to think about that a bit more. I don't have an answer to it, but in terms of the impact on cities, this variability has been both good and bad. And again, I look back in terms of the pop culture type of environment and think about the songs of uh, Bruce Springsteen or John Cougar Mellencamp talking about either you know, the restructuring of the agricultural environment or you know, the Midwestern dream that had uh, dried up as, as industry left America. I wonder too what will come out of the pop culture of this environment when we start thinking about the impact on cities and on jobs and types of jobs that people were engaged in. So, we're in new territory here. And the one factor that's going to really differentiate this probably from all else over the last number of decades is that this is worldwide. So, what mm-hmm. we're seeing here in Canada and North America is being felt in Europe and other parts of the world. doesn't matter where you are. We're all in this together. And so at one level that I've been looking at, which is the impact on cities, that is going to be partly ground zero for a lot of the responsiveness because it's front door kind of views when we're going down streets and buildings are shuttered. The next phase would be whether or not we start to see more for sale signs swinging in front yards. As we move into summer Mm -hmm. so we're really in uncharted territory here
1: yeah you know as you were speaking there the other thing that that i thought about was i heard this comment uh about uh, young young uh, uh, parents that have young children that are experiencing this and, you know, young kids always want to, are not afraid to run up to people and meet and, and greet and, you know, animals, et cetera, et cetera, as they're out and about. But, of course, now they're being told to, uh, you know, it, it, oh, don't get too close and make sure you stay here, stay close to mom or stay close to dad or whatever it is. And, uh, in, you know, not get too close to others. And it, I thought it was an interesting comment because they, what the comment was is is how is this going to affect their psyche as they grow up in terms of the long-term uh, of, of intermingling with other people. And, you know, it's just a comment, but, and, and, and I'm sure you can't necessarily answer that, but it's, it's an interesting one.
2: It is. A, it's a very important comment. And again, at the level of neighborhood and community, that's where you're going to see that impact again, as we rethink how we use playgrounds and open mm-hmm. spaces and parks and park benches and how we engage with, local friends and family and other community members that you normally would see at the playground. So I think for families and individuals with children in particular, there's going to be again some trepidation as we move into the next uh, few months over summer and relax some of these uh, restraints that we've had on how we engage. But I think it's going to be sort of a slow reawakening of of the idea of play in the community. But we have to get back to that. And again, in communities that have good social and community infrastructure, that's going to be all that much easier when there are more opportunities in different parks and different playgrounds where one can walk to. But if you're pinned in and you have to take transit to get to some open space, that's when we start to see the real differentiation between the high and low income earning households in this country. We want to see that leveled as well.
1: Right, good point. You know, I can't help but think uh, as uh, you were talking earlier about how we might get together and those kind of things. Something comes to mind in terms of you know we're using we're doing this uh, sort of virtually now, uh, but I'm thinking holographic imaging and those kind of social gatherings that I see to some degree happening in in some of the games that people are participating in, but more more in terms of an advanced holographic uh, interaction where you, you are actually being able to participate not only as a, someone watching what's going on, but actually participate with, the, with everyone that's in there and um, in real time, you know, and actually, uh, I, I think that might, maybe we'll see meetings and, and, and concerts and those kind of things in, in that way as we, as we move into the future.
2: Well, again, I I think cities are great places where we might evolve different types of technologies and new innovation in gathering and sharing of information and collectively socializing. I do think, though, that will be short-lived, that there's going to be a real desire to return to the normal of face-to-face interactions. Mm. Again, as as a sporting fan, it's hard not to feel some euphoria when an entire stadium lifts their arms and screams at a goal or a field goal or whatever, uh, or the cheer at a concert, the human side of things has to come forward. So again, I think we have to take this period for what it is, hopefully a once in a lifetime type of environment that we do come out of. But again, like in 1919 cities came out stronger. They came out better places for people to live. we, toughened up our building standards. We built better buildings. We dealt with ventilation. We understood a whole bunch of things that we didn't understand about the spread of disease in that period. I think in this one, it's going to be aided by additional technology and supports. But I do think in the end, cities and the global community, which has come together on research and other environments, sharing songs and stories, will too come out stronger and that, in the end, will will be a better a better global community.
1: All right. Professor Gino Distasio. We're going to have to leave it there. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show with us today.
2: Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful.
1: We look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you. All right. That is Professor Gino Distasio, the director of the Institute of Urban Studies and vice president of Research and Innovation at the University of Winnipeg. It's been a pleasure to have him on the show, and thank you for listening to Moment of Truth right here on element fm i'm your host david moses we'll see you next time right here on element fm i also want to say Nyawa Migwech wanishi and thank you to everyone who helps put moment of truth together they include in ottawa jill kennedy and caroline o'neill in toronto andrew johnson luca capone kathy zaboken andrew saint germain Nyawa, Migwech, and thanks for listening